Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, I have with me resume writer, career coach, and outplacement specialist, Matt Warzel. Uh, Matt and I have been connected for several years now, but he is a certified resume writing expert whose experience includes 15 years in HR, staffing, and recruiting across several different industries. His company, MJW Careers, assists companies in transition from downsizes to buyouts, and he also helps individual job seekers looking to advance their careers. Um, so, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a long time, a long time in the making. I've well, actually wanted to have you on for a couple of years now. Um, so I'm glad we were just able to get around to this. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine, Virginia. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to hopefully there are a couple nuggets out there for your audience that can take away and actually have tangible action after this. But uh, but if not, here's my here's my my uh, soapbox, so to speak, for for a half hour to talk about anything I can to help. <laughs> Love that. All right. So you have a super interesting background. Um, you have worked in HR. You've worked in recruiting. Um, you know, we talked earlier, you've had, you've done a side business doing voiceovers. How did you come to be in this role? Because most of us do not wake up in the morning and, or what we weren't born thinking that we wanted to be resume writers and career coaches. Absolutely. Right. It's actually like, that's the kind of the the humor in HR is no one really wakes up going into HR. And, and, but now, I mean, you know, you see a lot of folks studying it, but uh, yeah, that's kind of, I was a victim of circumstance myself. I was, I just graduated school with a marketing degree uh, and, you know, kicked the tires with, I was in paper sales, mortgage, you know, whatever that you could kind of get your hands on as an early career, you know, kind of professional in Cleveland. And uh, I had a friend in 04, uh, say, you should, you know, try out this um, staffing. And I was like, you know, what's a recruiter? I didn't know any of that stuff. I had no idea it existed. And uh, she, and so she got me an interview at Aerotech, which I'll always praise. It's where I cut my teeth and learned my business acumen. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, the guy who started the rate, uh, the guy who owns the Ravens started it, although I'm a Browns fan. Um, but uh, Steve Bashotti, and they really are. If anybody out there needs a staffing company to help them, check out Aerotech. They're, all, they're all in almost any location. Um, but Got into there, learned what recruiting was, what staffing was, and um, really kind of enjoyed it. I kind of, it was very neat because, well, not only did they give you the base salary plus commission, which was, you know, I, that was like the the prize piece uh, coming out of school, but um, it was hard work, long hours, but you really started to understand the inner workings. And I parlayed my skill kind of my, you know, what I had learned up into that point to get in the HR uh, recruitment, which is a totally different beast. Um, I had gone from my clients being the companies of the world, the Fords, GMs, Chryslers, trying to find candidates for them. And now my clients were the actual hiring managers. Um, so I'd worked a couple contract gigs at the time that was big in Cleveland for HR recruiters was, you know, contract six months, year, whatever. Um, and had worked for some, some fortune companies and really understood how the inner, inner workings, right? Like the, behind the scenes stuff. So I really grasped a good concept of like, Hey, what annoys my hiring managers? What makes them excited? And leaned on that throughout my kind of even today with my business. So, um, went from part-time kind of, or not part-time contract gigs into a full-time, 
uh, moved me out to Los Angeles from Cleveland uh, and my wife. And it was about three years out there until the uh, meltdown happened in 08. Uh, Uh, Yep. Yep. Got laid off early 09, kind of made it through a little bit longer, but then they axed all us recruiters nationwide in our particular function that we were all in. And uh, I was down and out kind of, you know, overweight, never, I didn't, wasn't going to church, wasn't doing anything self-care wise. I was all just uh, recruiting during the day, acting stuff at night, sleep, wake up, repeat. And it burned me out. So um, I was, I remember still being, um, uh, you know, kind of in bed, just sitting there thinking like, what am I going to do with my life? And the anxiety came and I had that all kind of coupled with everything, but uh, on my journey, but it really kind of got me to going, Hey, wake up, do something. Um, And I had done resumes up until that point and kind of did the coaching, uh, if you will, the piece when I was recruiting. And I thought, well, I'll just do this, right? Just for a minute. I'll go see what I can write resumes for people, make them and have them pay me and, and see if I can make a business out of it. And as soon as I got the first client in 2009, end of 09, uh, I go, oh, okay, this might be something I can do Why I'm, you know, we still had unemployment and just started really honing in on, you know, the function, like my, like, what is the resume writing business? What's career coaching? All this stuff and kept just working it, working it, working it over the years to now where I'm, you know, I feel like I'm one of the people now that kind of uh, has some, has some expertise to share. You're finally on that side of things where you might be able to help out others starting out. So it really has been a cool journey for myself. But yeah, like you said, never in a million years. I mean, I wanted to go into advertising after school. That was, I was writing, uh, uh, you know, little scripts and trying to pitch them to places during interviews and say, hey, I want to be a um, copywriter. And it's just, that was like a hard nut to crack. Uh, so I just kind of was kicking tires. And like I said, got an HR then. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I got really started formally in resume writing at the same time you did also because of the recession. Um, and like you, had, I'd always written resumes for free. I, you know, I, didn't know, I had no idea anyone did it for a living. But right. then the crash happened and it makes you, just like what people are dealing with the pandemic now, it makes you really, really think about, what, what can I do? And you have to get creative about your career at some point. Right. Victim of circumstance. And, and it happens That's a lot. Right. You know? I love that. Yeah. And, and I'm excited to see the innovation that'll happen because of what we're dealing with right now, you know, in five years, I, 10 years. I mean, we're seeing it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, right. It's going to be um, neat. So, all right. So you have worked with people for years and years now um, that are looking to make a career change or maybe job hunting after the first time in a long time. Um, Are there sort of a couple of one or two major challenges that are sort of commonplace that you see with those, with the people that you're working with? I do. You know, I think the, the main one right now is just the talent pool itself. Uh, You know, everyone hears the war on talent and Mm -hmm. it makes sense because there's a lot of good bodies on, on the bench right now. And so you are competing with more people and a lot of people that are really qualified, right? Really good at what they did. So um, I think that's the first big challenge is getting over the hump of, Hey, why not me? And what do I got to do to upskill fill in gaps of where I'm missing things or certifications or whatever to kind of get going on their journey. And it doesn't have to be something like a new industry type stuff. Uh, Career change can just be something like, you know, new company, right? A lateral move or maybe a, a, a succession type move, but, um, I'm finding that, uh, a, they're beat up. A lot of my clients, they come to me just beat up. And I think this great resignation reshuffle, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, woke a lot of people up to say, hey, I don't, you know, I never liked my boss. So now I'm ready to jump ship because it seems like people are doing this and I'm kind of going on with the bandwagon. And it seems like maybe if I have some, you know, uh, uh, some financial backing I can live off of for a little while, I try to dip my toes in something new. Why not? So I, I think a lot of, you know, A, again, there's people doing it and why not me? And then B, the accessibility of like, hey, I can do something like this. I got a computer. I can network. I can make things happen for myself. Um, but as far as challenges, though, um, yeah, the flood of talent. And then I also think lack of direction, like not like where to start. Um, like any company, you know, you got to figure out day one, day five, day 10. And so I always preach to preach to my clients, like, don't make this as big, you know, mountaintop. You're trying to climb right away. Just start chipping away, planting seeds and then letting things come to fruition. But if you're active, engaged and doing something every day, it will become a numbers game. You will see some success coming down the pipe, but you just, it can't be overnight either. It's not. And I think you're, I think a lot of people are, they're victim, victims of circumstance and they know they want to change and they just, they don't know where they want to go. Um, and when you're competing, you know, there, there are a lot, as you said, there are a lot of bodies on the bench it's, and especially as the roles get more senior, there's less roles out there, right? It's just the nature of the career pyramid. And, and so, you know, even though there are more opportunities than maybe there are during the season of layoffs, because there's so many more people at it, the competition is deeper than ever. And so that clarity and that sense of direction is so important. Um, it is. Because if you want someone to help you, you got to know what you want to do. You know, you can't ask a recruiter, exactly right. you yeah. know, do the work for you. <laughs> exactly. Well, is there something that you have found that people are, are just really surprised by when they are testing the job search waters? You know, that's kind of uh, one of those questions where I'm like, okay, first, I think they're surprised. And from my perspective, first, they're surprised that I exist. People like me exist. I think I a lot know. Of people, right. They're kind of like coming out of the woodwork going, I'm going to do this. Oh, there's a resume writer. Oh, recruiters. Yep. You know, that's so true. <laughs> um, you know, from that perspective where I see, but then I think um, it's like, there's so many different personalities I deal with that every surprise is like a little different, but I'll just say like, I got, you know, one instance, should I be on LinkedIn? This person's asking me, I had a client uh, or prospect this week and I'm like, yeah, you're like a high level supply chain person. I think she was. And it was like, why are you, haven't you been on LinkedIn? So it's kind of like, I think people are surprised that there's things they can be doing outside of just going on indeed IBM.com or wherever they go to find job boards the old way. Uh, and, and then if you try to tell them that there are new ways, it's like they get overwhelmed or they don't, they, it's almost like you kind of get that analysis paralysis where you're like, oh, that just sounds like a lot of work. I'm not even going to deal with that. Well, no, because competition is doing this. They're using LinkedIn. They're using network. They're leveraging ways to get creative, to cut through all the like the talent and be the one people want. I mean, there was a cool story of this guy that uh, in New York City, you know, he wanted a junior copywriter job at one of these top advertising agencies, you know, something I wanted to do. And, you know, he's smarter than me because he thought of this cool idea. So he did. He he. Uh, found the Venmo username of the hire manager and Venmoed a request for, uh, I think it was 50K or whatever, and just said, first year salary for your next junior copywriter. And this guy, the hire manager got it and was like, oh, wow, that's pretty you know bold. So they they interviewed him and gave him an internship. Cool. 
you know, like, oh, oh my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> just got to find neat things. It's, it's guerrilla marketing. <laughs> well, you know what? And, uh, and well, have you read that book about guerrilla marketing? David Lee, oh, what is his name? I know you're talking Lee? about I, different articles no. that kind of gave me some explanations, but never read the whole thing. No, not, not completely. <laughs> I had him on my podcast. I have to, oh my, now I'm embarrassed. I can't remember his name, but um, I have found that the, the, over, you know, the, I don't know how to say this. It separates the people that you could tell really want to make a move versus the people that are like, yeah, you know, I'd be open if something happened, but I'm not really all that happy. When you say, look, if you're really serious, then you need to do more than just applying online. Um, and it's the people that a lot of times it's the people that are like, okay, I really want to get out. Let me figure out, let me try these new ways that it's sort of telling as to how eager they are to really make a move. Right. And it's like, it's the idea that they don't want clock washers. They want people that they don't want. I mean, obviously everyone with the work-life balance becoming more glaring and things like that. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, they don't want clock watchers. They want people that are going to go to work and try to implement improvements and continue adding benefits, whether it's change management or, or, you know, again, process improvements, whatever it is that that will alter and, and re redirect companies towards the positives and if they can find enough talent that actually wants to be there doing these things, you know, that that's their goal. So how do you do it? Well, you find people on LinkedIn that might be sharing insight that relates to this stuff that you're doing and, and shows that passion and, and eagerness. And you're like, okay, you know, this person here unemployed, maybe we should give them a shot. Look how like active they are in this community. It's surprised they don't even have a role. You know, like you want to get to that point where it's almost like, you're dumb not to interview me, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. I'm passionate about this work and I'm always striving at this type of stuff. And I think that's kind of the purple squirrels. People want to grab people that can shift right into the role. And not only that, they're going to want to make a big change in that role and make an impact. So, and it's hard to find that because you get a lot of clock watchers and they're, they're, just, they're just there, to, you know, kind of just to get the check. So, you know, I get it completely with that. No, I agree. I agree. And you're right. And their activity on LinkedIn is... A differentiator because it, I mean, usually when people do get find out about when hiring managers do come across someone even in a traditional way, they are going to look look at them on LinkedIn to see what they're doing that's different. Absolutely right. So, yeah. what advice? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and I I saw a uh, Indeed poll that was out last year that about ninety to ninety five percent of recruiters are sourcing or vetting on LinkedIn, meaning like finding you or going and double checking you. So like you just said there, you know, it's another checkbox. It's another box to check while they're vetting someone. I know. I agree. Um, what advice can you give someone who is thinking about making a career move? Like before, you know, what was, what are the first things they need to do to sort of get ready for their job search? Okay, this is good. So I always write this on Andrew Seaman's posts when he has something oh, yeah. similar to this. I always say my clients need to internalize, visualize, realize. So you're gonna you're gonna take what your life, your professional, and you're gonna start putting in buckets, right? You're gonna put out a bucket of what you what passions do you have in life, a bucket of what you're good at, and then try to find a third bucket of what's the most logical combining those things. And, and even if you're not good at it, say like you're passionate about screenwriting, but you never really did it. Now you got to talk about filling in those gaps, upskilling, getting in tune with what it takes to be a screenwriter or whatever you want to do. So I think that's the first and foremost is don't research stuff yet. First, talk to yourself. 
and identify you or ask your spouse or friends to figure out what you're good at and try to really hone in on uh, how you can make that, how, how you can get someone to open up their checkbook and pay you to do that stuff. And that's the key, right? That's the tricky thing is having someone pay you to do something you're interested in. And doing that, you have to offer value. You got to be someone who's going to give them, there's no choice. They have to use you for your knowledge or, or services. And to get there, after you do internalize this stuff and start figuring out um, just what it is that might seem logical or uh, the next step after you start, you know, to kind of kick you off, then you want to start the research, figuring out how to plug those holes with skills, what accreditations or uh, certifications, all that kind of stuff will start to play in. And if you stick to a calendar, you stick to a, a, a thing a day that you're going to do, be, regardless if you got kids and all this stuff happening, we're all busy, but there's going to be an hour every day that you're going to do something towards it. Eventually it'll snowball into two hours and then it'll take over, you know, some more time because you're going to be more excited and, and you're going to have more direction, but you got to start kind of diving into these worlds, so to speak, and figuring out just where you might fit. And then you go from there. Internalize, visualize, realize. And so ideally it sounds like you're saying come up with something that is at that I guess, crossroads of what you're good at, what you, what you like to do, what you like to do that you're good at and what someone will pay you that is a combination of those three. And then, and then you go about doing your homework to figure out how you can close the gaps to make it happen. Is that that's, right? That's what I would go with. Yeah. I think that seems okay. to be kind of a logical approach for, for, for day one. I love that. And that, what I love is that you didn't say, get your resume done get your LinkedIn done because without that sense of where you're going, it informs everything, what you write, the kinds of companies you target, all of it. Absolutely. And I do that with clients that come to me needing that aha moment. Uh, I say, well, we're not going to be able to write this until we both are on the same page with what we're messaging is going to be with what we're broadcasting. So yeah, little chips at the, at the big, big rock. And what about someone who has been job searching? So this is sort of a comes to you later in the process where they didn't maybe internalize, visualize, realize um, they're engaged in job hunt. It's not going well. How do you help them? What advice do you have to help someone regroup? Now that's where you hire me or you, <laughs> this is where you actually <laughs> want to come in. <laughs> yeah. So if you know what you want to do and you're just, if you're struggling, there's something happening in your job hunt, most likely the resume or communication breakdown that you're having when you are approaching people that seems to be the top two. What, what's your brand? What's your brand, if you will? And then when you approach people, how are you coming off? And I can't tell you how much it annoys me at people that have bad communication. Um, I'll get people who are like, help me with my resume. And they won't even say anything going into it. And of course, I'm like, I'll email them back because it's like, hey, okay, I'll talk to you. But if you're approaching me like that, you know, how are you approaching recruiters and hiring managers? And I'll tell you, if you are being casual, like everyone owes you something, you're going to be on a bench a lot longer than, than you think. So um, if it's not a communication thing, it might be a branding thing. What's your resume look like? What's your LinkedIn look like? What are you doing? What's your strategy? I have a, a strategy sessions with my clients that are like, that'll like fill up their calendar. Like here's Monday, here's Tuesday, here's Wednesday. And none of them are all just around job boards. Now job boards is still a piece. Um, and plus it's a way to get in the pipeline for recruiters. So I always will recommend still applying online because you want to be, in the app and tracking systems of companies you actually want to work at. And, uh, but there's so much more you can be doing. And so if you're just, I don't know, applying for a couple hours, closing a laptop up and waiting 
and then you're pounding your head after a couple of weeks. Yeah. You're it's, you got to just be the right place, right time for that to pop. Because a lot of times, right. uh, you know what I mean? Like it, that does happen. Don't get me wrong, but it's the right time, right place for that kind of stuff. The numbers aren't in your favor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you that um, what's your brand, how are you coming off is so important. Um, and I find a lot of times also that, you know, someone will come to me and say in interviews, this isn't happening or I'm not getting to the final rounds. And then I, then I say, well, if you, you're getting interviews, then maybe it's not your resume. It's right. how you're coming off face-to-face or in Zoom or whatever. It's a communication breakdown that's happening after the resume. Absolutely. So sort of under, understanding where you, where in the pipeline things are failing is, is really important. It, it's spot on because... I'll get people coming to me that are getting interviews and they're just they're, like you said, they're not closing. And that's where you really got to kind of peel off the layers of the onion of, you know, what are you doing in that room? How are you answering mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, um, you know, the, the experiential questions? How are you answering the behavioral questions? How are you, you know, what's your formula? And you'll start noticing a lot of people, they have the skills, but they just don't know what to talk about. And it's like, well, let's, let's hone in, let's reverse engineer. You're looking at this job opening. They got six, seven, eight things on it. Can you do six, seven, eight of those things? If so, embed some of these narratives that show not only can you do that stuff, but here's how you did it at your prior employment. Here was the very cause and effect. You did this. This is the action it took, the positive that it took for the company. And yes, that's the same exact thing you're going to be doing over here. Employers like that. It's like you're 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 coming right in with the right skills. So try to build your narratives for the interview room based off of what they need and, and what their pains are because of the opening and how you're going to make their life easier. And if you lean on those kind of ideas, <laughs> I think this, excuse me, I think that the interview will go much smoother and you'll have much more confidence because then you're going to go in there going, I can't wait to talk about these 10 projects, wow. you know, because they're all going to resonate. And the job description often is, I mean, it clues you in on, as to what the narratives need to be around, what the requirements are. Um, and you pepper them in your resume. You you have stories for your for your interviews. Um, it's like a roadmap. Exactly, it's gold. It's the, it's the recruiters like me that were marketing majors who have to hire technical product managers. I don't know technical product manager day to day stuff. I don't do that work. I just know from a macro level what I got to do to find someone that might be able to do that work. And so when you're hired, when you're going through this hiring process. You know, you got to cater not only to the robots up front now, that's a whole thing, but right, you got to right. cater to, yeah, you, like, you got to cater to the sourcers that they don't have a clue what you're doing, but they just have a, a general gist of what they need to get done. So they're effective in their, their sourcing practices. And then, you know, the recruiter and then the hire manager. So, yeah, you got, you got to kind of understand that, you know, there's multiple personalities in this and, and you got to just make it easy for them because this is job one of 50 that hire managers are all, or the HR is responsible for. The hire manager wants to get it off the book so they can go back to operation work. You know, they hate hiring. And so they're like, right. okay. Yeah, I know. It's it's literally their side job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's an unnecessary evil. Like every, I remember it be four o'clock and I go in those rooms and they're just burned out from the day. And they're like, let's get through this. And it's like, okay, well, this is a little important, but I get it. You know, that's the last thing I want to do is have someone have an opening. Yeah, no, because and they're, and they're, they're left holding the bag, likely doing the work. Right, right. And having Absolutely. to figure out people to move around and that whole thing. It's right. like, yeah, yeah. Be the one. And they want you to be, if they get you an interview, 
that company wants you to be the right person. So don't take interviews lightly. <laughs> no, that's so true. Um, and, they, and they've invested a lot of time already to get to the point where you, they brought you in. Right, right. And, 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 and then if you actually make it through, get hired and get trained and stick around a while, that's a success story because that's what they're worried about is you're going to jump ship yeah. after six months. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, so what, pivoting a little bit, um, I'm sure you work with people that, uh, especially during this this mass reshuffling, whatever you want to call it, they they know they want to do, do something different, but they have you know lots of different skills. Their talents are diverse, and they are sort of open to exploring lots of different opportunities. What are your thoughts on how to help someone that is job searching with that mindset? And, you know, tell me about the challenges in writing their resumes, writing their LinkedIn profiles and their, their job search when they, when they can go, when they want to explore lots of different roles. That's a great question. And I get that quite a bit. So first and foremost, the Jack and Jill's of all trades is not something to lean on right now. If now, Having said that, if you're going to be targeting, let's say, mom and pop shops that need an operations manager that can do supply chain and do some billing and do some staffing and all this kind of stuff, that might be a sound spot to look for opportunities. Mm. But if you are someone that's like, well, I, want, I love project management, but I also love technical writing. And I've been dabbling with data analyst stuff. Cool. That all kind of relates. And you see a lot of folks that are analysts that turn into PMs or whatever. Um, but in my mind, if I'm a hiring manager, I don't want someone who's so scatterbrained and have multiple multiple kind of focus because I'm going to put them in this particular role. It's just data analysts. I don't want them worried about project management work. Are they going to leave and go try to do PM work? So don't make sure the the messaging is is not mucky in your resume. Get it honed down. The more niche, the more quality leads you'll have for oper- for interviews and opportunities. The wider net you cast, the more bad kind of stuff's going to come yeah. in that you're not going to want to do. I was going to say the C word, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, 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 the gunk. And so it's like, make it easy for yourself. Have a couple resumes, have one for PM, have one for technical writing, have one for data analysts, have them in different uh, parts of your computer where you know exactly where you're going to submit them when you are, or, or sending them to message, uh, sending them to recruiters, what have you. But know that if you are absolutely not sold on any particular one function, then maybe try to make a, a, a move, like I said, into something that's a little bit more, more small that can use someone with multiple hats. Having and said you that- know, I hadn't thought about that mom and pop shop option. Yeah. Um, what yeah. about, and you're right, it is, you can write five different resumes, but what about LinkedIn? It's hard that's, to write for different focuses with that. This is one of those ones where I'd love to hear your insight too, because I get this a lot. And my my thought is, I always say, go with the role you really want and keep it like that on LinkedIn. Because again, you don't want to be this Jack and Jill of all trades. Having said that though, you could build in those other skills, bake them in, get them a parent, but don't, I mean, I would just stick with one theme, if you will. Um, you, you don't want someone who hire managers getting Virginia over here is PM, uh, IT and supply chain. But the one that we're interviewing is just supply chain. Why is, you know, and that's the whole thing. That's why I always say LinkedIn's and resumes should be uh, almost near identical because I want the same candidate here and here. I'm not worried about them being cute on LinkedIn and a little, little savvy or whatever. And then the resume is very professional. It's like, no, these are hiring people. They're in a, they're in a rush. 
They need the right person. Keep it easy for everybody. So if the recruiter finds you on LinkedIn, the hire manager has your resume, it's in sync. Um, so that's my thought. But again, I'm always open to hearing about this because it's it's something tricky. <laughs> and so I, you know, I agree with you. Resume and LinkedIn have to have the same themes. Um, when someone really, let me back up. I, I think hiring managers think they want someone who's niche, but once they hire them, they're delighted that they have all these other skills. But you're right. right. You need to, they are looking to solve a need. They're not looking for someone who can solve many, lots of different crazy needs that are unrelated to what they need at that moment. So when someone has a couple different options that they want to explore, I, I like you say, let, let's pick one. And you and which one you pick is going to depend on what's going on in your life. Like if you need a job tomorrow, you might go with, with the approach on LinkedIn that's going to help you land the most quickly. Um, if you've got all the time in the world and money is no object, then maybe you go after the one, which is the, the, the one, if you close your eyes and could dream of the perfect role, this is what it would look like. Um, but then you write about all the other skills as best you can within that, the lens of what that target is. Um, um, but I like the idea of, you know what, if you are really can't, if you really want to be a Jack and Jill of all trades, then you need to look at companies where that sort of talent is embraced. And maybe it's a startup, maybe it's a mom and pop. Um, but it all, it, it boils down to it, to what, what you want. Um, mm-hmm. but I do try to get people to focus as much as possible because it makes it really, really hard. Um, exactly. And you're right, right. though. Think of your drivers and that will dictate a lot too. If, if money's an object, uh, if money is something of utmost importance, then yeah, that mom and pop stuff, I doubt they're going to pay you if you were making 200 K a year, you know, so right. it's, everything's going to be give and take life's a series of trade-offs. My real, my realtor used to tell us when we were looking yeah. for a house and it makes it sense, you know, <laughs> no, hundred percent. Um, so we've talked about a couple of them, but I'd love to hear from you. Is there something that drives you the most nuts when it comes to job seeker mishaps, things that you sort of see people doing over and over again that just make you cringe? I, this is really specific only because it happened to me this morning. I oh, no. <laughs> fresh. I, yeah. <laughs> I do not like job seekers on LinkedIn that hide their contact and hide their availability to contact them. If you're on a job hunt, get your email, get your phone on there, get it up to date. And, uh, I would say, um, like, don't put a, like an email blocker behind if someone wants to contact you. You know, you get that kind of thing where people are like, you can't contact me unless you know my email. You know, all these little like security things that uh, might have been fine when you were working. If you're a new job seeker or fresh on the hunt, you need to be ca- available Thank for recruiters. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I know. I know people in information security like they go nuts with this stuff. Um, and so, and I get what in the world that they've come in from, look, they've seen a lot of bad, scary things. So I don't negate that. But if you are super concerned with your privacy, then create an email just for the purposes of the job search and slap it on there. Perfect. Um, yep. And make it, I, I try to put the, um, the contact information in addition to in the contact section, I put it right there in the um, about section. I want to make it, as easy as possible for a hiring manager to find me. And if that means saving one click, then I'll do it. 
Um, you can even come up, you know, you can do a free phone number on Google if you want to have both. Um, and it can forward to your phone. No one's the wiser, but it protects your it protects your privacy, but also makes you accessible. But yeah, exactly. Make it, easy. make it easy. Exactly. And recruiters are taught and trained to find contact information of people they like. I mean, that's like that's the next step. If they find a, a, somebody that they like, if they can't contact you, they're busy. They're going to move on and they're going to hate that they couldn't, but you got to let them get a chance to, because that could have, that could be the role that is the one you've been waiting on. Right. You're right. Um, and we've seen how inundated recruiters are. So um, mm -hmm. whatever you could do to make their lives easier, it make you a, make you a more viable candidate for sure. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, so switching gears, this is a little bit of a heavier topic. Um, there is always talk about discrimination, right? When it comes to hiring practices, there's all the isms, ageisms, sexism, racism. Um, tell me about how you, what advice do you have for job seekers in terms of navigating this? How do you, does it inform how you write your documents and coach people? I, I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, that's a good that's a good topic of discussion. And first off, I mean, I'll be blatantly honest when I say it sucks that it happens, and um, it's not something you can control. So don't be the advocate for for whatever you think in terms of hey, I'm going to be the one that you know. I'm, don't 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 give in because even if a company A wants to do that stuff, there's a company B, C, and D that aren't. So first and foremost, don't beat yourself up or feel like you have to like make the change because there's going to be habits like this until the end of time, right? There's always going to be hiring people at certain companies that just are unethical. So first and foremost, don't beat yourself up and have to be the one who's going to advocate for the change because it's hard as heck to, to, to do anything change at a corporation. Um, so do what you can control, right? If you are worried about ageism, get stuff off your resume that may, may think that there is some sort of dated candidate, make it easy for you to at least get to that next step where then you can give them all you've got during an interview or the vetting session when they're sourcing you and get, and it gives you that chance, right? To get on the horn. And that's all you can really do at that point. There's nothing else you can do to sway them if they're going to be unethical. So things like, you know, uh, your graduation degree on your, on your graduation date on your degree, if it's like 1987 or whatever, do you need it on there? No, because as a recruiter, all I cared about is that you have a bachelor's because that's all this job is minimum bachelor's. That's all I really care about. Do you meet that? Um, uh, do you have jobs from Microsoft in 1985 to 1990 on your resume? As much as you loved it, um, it might not be relevant anymore, right? I mean, like, so we got to think of ways to, to make it less is more for you and give you a fair shake in the process. But in terms of the generality of discrimination with hiring, like I said, it stinks, but there's nothing, not me and Virginia are going to be able to do today to alter that type of thinking at right. somebody's company. If you want to advocate, you know, great, but don't yeah. do it during your job hunt. I agree. Exactly. And, and, um, and right, start a group and do it on your own time because you're, yeah, it takes a lot to change things. <laughs> so I, you might know this because you, do you use LinkedIn Recruiter for your role or do you use I, Sales Navigator? You know, I did both before and uh, I just didn't see the benefits as much for me personally, having to uh, lead Jen off of LinkedIn. So I didn't find much value in it for me personally. Well, I yeah, I don't use it, but I did take um, the NCOPE class um, that the National Resume Writers Association offers on to help understand a little bit more about LinkedIn's back algorithms. And one of the things that I learned that 
bummed me out was that one of the search criteria that someone can use when using that LinkedIn tool is uh, they it's where they literally can click how under education, basically, if you don't list your dates, your undergrad won't show up in your search. And so that might hurt you if you're if you're mm-hmm. looking for if they're if you're being sought for for an opportunity where the bachelor's is required. Which right. um, sort of dings it's because I always take the education dates off the resume as well. But now on LinkedIn, because of the way the queries get done, it. I look at the opportunities and if it looks like a bachelor's degree is going to be a deal breaker, then I will say, go ahead and put the date on there. Um, you know, it's way down at the bottom of your LinkedIn anyway. So hopefully by the time the person's interested, they, they've mitigated the, the job discrimination or the age discrimination is sort of in the back of their heads at that point versus in the front and you don't have to worry about it, but I hate for someone not to be found because they removed the dates from their education on LinkedIn. Yeah, I never, never heard that. And that, that's crazy to me that they would actually know. knock you. I mean, that's the problem with the, the, the algorithm. And you know what, in a year from now, I won't, you know, it'll be different. It'll be something completely right. different. All right, it's exactly. Like, it's wild. Exactly. It's yeah, just a factor, but, you know, it's, and so you're always balancing the opportunity against the ism that you're managing. So. Right. Exactly. Right. Well put. Uh, so let's say you are at a dinner party and someone comes to you and says, I need, I'm getting ready to start job hunting. What are one or two tools that I have to have to get started? What would you say to that person? Well, it, I, I won't say LinkedIn is one of them, but LinkedIn, it's a necessary evil. It's the <laughs> sandbox, right? We all live and play in as hiring managers, recruiters, uh, even people like us, career coaches type stuff, but the, your colleagues are on there. There's managers that you aspire to be on there. There's plenty of information that you can get. There's a plenty of informational interviewing opportunities that you could you could try to uh, you know tickle some people and ask them if they if they wouldn't mind you know bending the ear for a minute. Um, so there's so many ways to use it that I cannot emphasize enough. It's just, it's not just a, a social networking platform. There's a lot of bad, no. It's a CRM plus a social network. Yeah. Right. And a huge amount of potential for doing uh, little backdoor actions like trying to get in faces of people that might hire you someday. So um, LinkedIn, I'll say, is my number one just because it, it is what it is. Um, unless yeah. I go start a, a, a social media network that has 300 you know, million users, whatever it is, billion users, it's, it is what it is right now. Um, right. And then so I'm a big advocate of uh there are niche boards and I'll just share a couple right here. I'm a big advocate of okay. finding niche places to live. Um, so one is uh, this, I just discovered this one uh, this week. It's called, I'm sorry, I got my tab, hrjobsremote.com. I thought that was fascinating. It just came up and it's starting to make traction. Uh, this guy's got a real nice interface of how to use it. Um, if you're interested in perhaps freelancing, look at freelance writing gigs dot com. Um, that will help. Right. That's a pretty cool one. If you're in that, that kind of mm-hmm. world with us, um, then if you look at, there is one more I want to share here. Um, it's called fishbowl. Um, now fishbowl is, um, I want to say ladders owns them. One of those ones own them, uh, you know, ladders or salary or glass door. Um, anyway, fish fishbowl app.com. This is where you can remain anonymous and share tips as well as gain insight into whatever profession you're in. 
Um, I've been using it a lot this past couple of weeks since I learned about it. I love it. Also, um, and it's similar to Glassdoor. Fishbowlapp.com? Yeah, fishbowlapp.com. And it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like the, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm having a brain freeze, but so it's essentially like a social platform, but again, you remain anonymous. So like a glass door where you can kind of vent a little bit about companies. Right. Um, and, uh, I like fairygodmother.com. Yeah. Uh, big proponent of that one. And I think, I think that's pretty much it for today, I would say, but yeah, there's plenty of, th- like I said, the more niche, if there's resource boards, like go on Quora.com, search some stuff that relates to what you do, and you'll get threads of conversation. It's great. It's like the Reddit uh, of, of the world, but it's, uh, yeah. you know, I, I like it a little bit better than Reddit. It's a little easier to navigate. Um, yeah. So just be active in the communities where your world lives and exists. If you're a, if you're a, a, a like I said, screenwriter, go find screenwriting groups, go hang out with other screenwriters, wherever they are online. That will boost you more than just jumping on the general boards. I am running to fishbowlapp.com. <laughs> it's, so it's, cool. great. It's, it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. So you have, you know, I know you work with all sorts of writers. You have, you're super busy. Tell me about what is on your plate for 2022. This year, I am actually working on my automation more and uh, trying to get my business to kind of work in the background with a lot of administrative stuff. Um, I'm opening my recruitment arm. I'm in the process of it again. I had closed it back in 2012, 2013-ish. I'm getting that kind of reinstated so I can help some of the folks in my pipeline. Um, and then personally, I'm, I'm starting real estate investment this year. So I'm kind of excited about, about yeah, getting in there. I'm already taking classes and talking to friends. So I'm almost there for property one, maybe a couple months out, but it's coming. So I'm excited about that. That's exciting. So if people want to follow you, want to work with you, I have, um, I have your YouTube channel, MJW Careers, your LinkedIn, MJW Careers, and your website, MJW Careers. Are those the best places to connect with you or are there others as well? Yeah. So I would say if you visit jobstickers.com, that is my blog. It's like pot stickers, but job stickers. And that embeds right in my, in my MJW homepage. So, or on on the website. So um, if you check that out, you'll see my daily posts as well as my services within that page. And then uh, on LinkedIn, if they want to just uh, search MJW Careers or Matt Warzel on LinkedIn, um, you'll find me. And I'm, I'm pretty active on there too. So Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure again. Thank you, Virginia. I loved uh, speaking with you today. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.